0: Make noise, make noise, make noise, make noise. Make noise, 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 make noise. This is a man who is not one of. He is the biggest comedian in the world. Sells out arenas. He's been selling out arenas years ago. Before I saw anybody sell out an arena, I saw this man sell out an arena. He does his thing on the turntables. Russell Peters, how are you feeling, sir? What up, Mr. Scoop? How how, how they treating you, man? How's
1: everything with you? It's good. You know, I was I had to push on you today because uh, we were supposed to do that at 3.30, but I had to take uh, our brother, Finesse. Um, we went to go hang out with Mike Tyson for a bit.
0: How okay? Wait, wait, whatever. Wait, wait, hold, 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 hold. You out there? Because oh, Mike Mike Tyson is training in California,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. We went and watched him train a little bit. We got there; he just finished, but we we're just hanging around
0: talking shit. Okay, if I talk to Mike, because I'm supposed to interview Mike Tyson in two weeks, I'm right. definitely gonna buy a football helmet because I feel like if I say the wrong thing and that man punches me in my head, I'm gonna be in a coma for seven weeks. How did, did you see any of his any of his training? How did he look?
1: Hey, well, so I missed it, but then the, his uh, his videographer was there because you want to see what, what, what they was working on today, and he showed me, and I was like, God damn! Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he he looks real sharp. He looks real he looks sharp, real and real he's real- in, he's Mad Diesel again. He's like shredded. He's shredded.
0: Wow, that that that's crazy, man. So let's let's start with you, and then I'm gonna get to more of finesse. I didn't even know finesse was with you. You know, finesse is one of my good friends, and 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 that man right there, next sitting right next to you, is the best pound for pound artist in the history of music. Because because not only can he de- he rap, but he's as good as at DJing as he is at rapping. And you got to give it up for finesse. So finesse is my guy and production. And production. So that's what I'm saying. Pound for pound. He is the he is the best hip hop artist to ever live. It's not a discussion. I don't want to talk about it. Don't at me. Don't talk to me about anything. What was the what was your first memory of knowing that you were funny? Uh, I mean, I always
1: knew I used it as a defense mechanism, but I think I was in like seventh or eighth grade and I wrote a joke. Um it was around, so it's what, around 1982, 83? 82 must have been. And I wrote a joke, I just showed it to my friend and I said, could you imagine? This is when AIDS, I don't nobody get mad at me, but this was like 82, so AIDS was brand new and everybody just thought it was a gay disease. Remember that? Right, I remember that. I remember writing down, I said, could you imagine on the cover of Time Magazine if the headline said, AIDS, who gets screwed in the end? <laughs> When I was 12 when I wrote that. I'm like, damn, I'm fucking good. You're fucking fool. <laughs>
0: Hold on, sir. You, you get it too. <laughs> little old, a little apple juice? It's it's what I call ignorance juice. When I hear something that's ridiculous, I always <laughs> go for it. So wh- why why were you, what was the defense mechanism for? Were people bullying you? Why did you, yeah. why was that the case?
1: It was, uh, there was a lot of bullying growing up uh, in, in Canada, in Toronto, Brampton, my hometown specifically, there was a lot of mm-hmm. uh, if it, it, it was a lot it was directed towards Indian people. We were the mm-hmm. we were the easiest minorities to pick on because uh, you know one we're, we're not a very intimidating bunch,
0: right? So now, so now, so now, when you go to your parents, eventually you're a teenager. When do you realize that you want to do this profession? I started at uh, 19. Did you? Did you go to your parents and be and being someone that is brown, Indian, whatever you choose to, to call it, I know right. your parents were probably tough. They were probably education-based. What did nah. they say you told them? Nah, see, I hung around the black
1: kids from about the age of four. Mm-hmm. So they understood that. And then I started boxing at 15. They understood that. I started DJing at 15. They understood that. And they kinda knew that everything I did was never I was a horrible student as well. I never got good grades. I never uh, I never liked school. I got kicked out of regular school and sent to a trade school, so my parents' goals for me were like real simple. Get a government job so you get a pension.
0: Right. So now so now you come to them, what what is their what do they say? Uh oh. Shit! What do they say to you? Because right,
1: sorry, we got bad reception. Because right by the airport.
0: Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, so there when, we your go, par- we when go. you go to your parents, what, what do they say to you when you go to your parents?
1: Nothing. I said I'm gonna. Well, I didn't even tell them. It wasn't like I was. I wasn't hiding it, but there was no big reveal either. Because you know, I just went and tried it. I wanted to see what it was like. I didn't want to be like, I'm going to do this, and then you fail. You know, it's always. You know, they always tell you keep your uh, your successes quiet and uh, and and your uh, and your failures public.
0: Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So, do you remember your first time doing stand up, and what was it like?
1: Uh, yeah, I remember. It I was horrible. It was uh, 1989. Um, I was terrible. I didn't even. It was really bad. But I got a giggle out of somebody in the audience, and that's all I needed.
0: Now, how many? Now, how many years was it between that first giggle and 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 packing an entire stadium to do comedy? How many years did it take? So, uh, my first arena was
1: eighteen years later.
0: Mm-hmm. What was the What was the process in there? What, what were the What were the peaks and valleys in there? Well, I mean, you
1: know, you got to be prepared to be broke for a long time. And you have to do this because you love doing it. And if you let money motivate you, you will only find yourself um, feeling uh, feeling like you, you didn't you didn't achieve anything. And I never ever set those goals for me like that. I set my goals real simple. Like, um, can I pay my bills this month? Great, I did good this month. You know, <laughs>
0: um,
1: is my phone bill covered? Well, I need to borrow money. What am I going to do? Um, am I having fun? When I make less money working for somebody, all that shit was on my mind, and I was like, every time I had those questions in my head, I was like, just hustle harder.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, now, what was what was the point that was so low that you said maybe I should quit and leave? And what made you not do that? Because everybody well, has.
1: I mean, there were moments, you know. I mean, my dad tried to get me to quit after I'd already had two specials. It was, must have been around 1998 or something like that. I had already done two specials in Canada, and I, I needed money that would, like we, we didn't get paid for our gigs that we did on the weekend until um, like Thursday. And I bought $100. Mm-hmm. It was like Monday. And I was like, can I get? Can I borrow $100? I'll give it back to you on Thursday. He goes, I don't think this comedy thing's working out for you. I'm like, what are you talking about? I, I have money, but I don't have it until Thursday, so I know where the money is i'll give it to you then he's like i think you should get a job during the day and i go and and what I, i'm like where burger king goes what's wrong with burger king do you think you're too bloody good to work at burger king and i'm like no but i've been on tv now and he goes so and he goes well, what if i want somebody walks in they go oh shit russell peters big fan can i get the uh, whopper combo please you know he didn't go for that. My right. dad was all about making stuff. How you want to do that? that? I, I listen. I borrowed how the hundred bucks. Get, I gave back to him. Well, he's dead now. But he never you, got to he, see. He never got to see it actually blow up the way it did. So mm. it kind of it kind of sucked. Mm. But I mean, he passed away in two thousand and four, and then everything started to happen by the end of two thousand four.
0: Hmm. So so, so, now, so he's, he's looking at it from the sky It's always better when they can be here to see it But sometimes that's not the case How do you deal with hecklers? Right I mean, it depends you know, A lot you of times
1: with- I mean, to be honest You don't really get that many hecklers At my shows You get people that are excited to see you And then they With, with poor timing Yell out something dumb like your one of your old jokes or they'll yell out your name and you're like listen motherfucker, that silence wasn't for you
0: that was for me to time my jokes right. better right and what, but, what do you do when you how do you deal with them what do you say to them you gotta let you gotta give them a little
1: rope so that they, they can hang themselves because you already know you can take them out but if you take them out too hard and too quick the audience turns on you
0: Right, right, and that was gonna be my next question. Have you ever been in a situation, because I've been in many a comedy club and I've hosted and stuff, have you ever been in a situation where you've said something or you've got on on, on an audience member or you joked about a guy with his girlfriend to the point that somebody wanted to fight you?
1: I mean, you have rooms like that, but you try to avoid those rooms after 31 years, you go, you know what? I did this already. I don't need to do it again. But I never really had no situations like that. Um, you know, you have the rooms where you're going to get booed off stage, like I did the Bronx BBQ back in the day, like in '96 when Capone was running it on Saturday nights. Mm-hmm. You have to perform at like 1:30 in the morning with a with a room full of gangsters that don't like the way you look.
0: Mm-hmm. How did you? How did you get around that, man? How how did you? I did. That? I, I didn't. I got booed off stage. <laughs> and, and so now, when you do that, what do you? What goes through your mind, man? Is you just take it as you say. Listen, it's a learning. It's a it's a learning curve. What you get? Yeah, you, it's it all it's all you? part. It's all part of the process.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you ne, you're never you're never above getting booed in comedy. It Doesn't matter who you are, or how big you are. You're never above it.
0: Have you Have you seen somebody really, really big get booed? Because I've never heard. I've never heard a like somebody huge getting booed. I mean, you'll hear they, they may not get booed, but they'll get silence.
1: And, silence is and, the same uh, thing. Yeah, it's 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 the same thing, and it and it's probably because that big comic was working on some new material, and these people are expecting them to come out swinging. And it's like, no, motherfucker, you just you're getting to watch the process. The process is, you know, if you if you look at a pair of jeans. That's a finished product. But if you looked at a big slab of denim, you wouldn't be able to see the jeans in it.
0: Mm-hmm. 100%. So, so when you when you get ready to do a, a, a special, what do you do? Speaking, speaking on that, do you sit at home and write, and then you go to a comedy club and test it out? How does it all work? No, I, I, I write on
1: stage. I write live. I, I, I freestyle a lot. So I uh, that's how I write. I go up with nothing, and then I talk to the crowd until I get something.
0: Hmm. okay now is that can many comedians do that because a lot of comedians they have to write down their jokes correct yeah everybody has a different
1: process my process is that drives a lot of guys nutty they think uh, they just think I'm going up there and bullshitting but really they look at it as bullshitting but I'm getting laughs and I'm trying to um, I gotta move the phone there's a cop about to drive by but, uh,
0: okay, let's, <laughs> let okay, let, let, let's let that cop go by
1: Right, hold it down, there. Ness. He's right behind you. Hold it
0: down, Ness. He's right behind you. Hey, we talk to Finesse for a minute? <laughs> Here, let me talk to Finesse. Finesse, What is going on, sir? So so, what's this police... Can you look behind and see what this police officer is doing? He's right there. He just passed us. Uh, yeah, he just passed us like Erica
2: Strata style on the motherfucking motorcycle and shit. Okay, so
0: did he look happy? Did he look mm-hmm. like he was having a good day or or, or, or no nah, he looked lonely. He was out, story. he
2: was why right. he was without his partner John on the motorcycle, you know. Okay, okay, so he's it's straight Ponchello kind of dude. Straight Poncharello. Hey,
0: what what are you what are you doing out there, man? What why are you with Russell Peters man? Uh this
2: is my brother right here, man, you know? Just hanging out. Yeah, man. I mean you know, people are like yo, you should be in New York. I mean, my routine in New York was the fucking mailbox, supermarket, and back upstairs. So, why right. not come out here and and sit at the resort? You know, I'm at the resort. I'm at the <laughs> estates. Right. Some no, people no, no, call no. it the West. They call it the no.
0: West Wing when I'm on Instagram yes. Live. Yes, yes, yes. You 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 messing with that man? You are at a you are at a legitimate estate. Around amazing white people There are probably amazing white people around you uh, they, they probably have their yoga pants they're, they're running in the morning And they're not getting any type of coronavirus How long are you going to be out there, bro? Um, I
2: don't know, man uh, Who knows? I might start looking for an apartment or something out here Where are you whoa, need whoa, apartment whoa, 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 whoa,
0: whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> You a New York dude, bro what, what are you talking about, man? Like, What are you
2: talking about? Nah, I'm just, you know, I don't know. You know, it's just a lot of polying out here, a lot of opportunities. I brought my work with me. So, you know, it's sunny out here. I mean, it's sunny back home, but it's just not as humid here as it is back home. But no, I've been out here a lot, you know. So, you know, this is where I'm at when I'm not in New York. You know, I'm out here in
0: Cali. What What, what do you notice the vibe is like out there as opposed to how it was here? For you,
2: cause over um, here, it's crazy over here. The vibe is easy going where I'm at. You know, it's just easy going. People going about their business. They wearing their masks where I'm at. I can't say the whole Cali because the numbers wouldn't be, you know. But the numbers again, you know, I think they're 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 tinkered with, as we would say, you know. But uh, I did take a COVID test today and pass. So um. I'm happy
0: about that. Both of us. Both of us. Well, Mike Tyson home made home. us take one. <laughs> Why did you take a COVID test? What was the reason? Because going to
2: the gym to see Mike, you know, everybody had to take that. You know, Ooh. so
0: yeah, so there you, was a plan you, that. Okay, so if you if you in, if you're in contact with Mike Tyson, your ass is taking that coronavirus test. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. You
2: ain't even getting in the fucking building. You ain't even. Uh, Getting close to
0: Mike, you ain't getting in the building. Well, let me ask you a question. Which which one did they give you? Did they give you the one that goes down the nose or they gave you one that goes in the mouth?
2: They gave me the one that touched uh, the, the brain, man. That's the one I had.
0: Right up right up the old schnozzle. Yeah. Bro, I had that one before. I fucking ate it, man. I, I can't do it. So, so, so when you saw Mike, did you tell him, yo, man, I, I, I almost got shot in the nose to come in here and see? Nah, Mike don't want to hear that shit Right, he's like Listen man, take the test and come see me And if you don't take the test, I'm going to knock you the fuck out Mike's Mike's in full training mode Mike's real as
1: fuck So Mike will be like, that's your little bitch ass problem <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah Mike, Mike, is, Mike is not a dude Mike is not a dude that plays like that I want to ask you a couple of questions Before I get out of here with you Um one of the things, because you're a Canadian and you're a US resident at this point. Right. Being a citizen of both countries, how is racism in the USA as opposed to how it is in Canada for you? Well, see, I haven't lived
1: in Canada in 14 years, so I only know the racism that I grew up with, and I also know that that it subsequently subsided. You know, the racism mm-hmm. I grew up with was, I don't believe it was actual racism. It was at the time, but it was one of those things where they were afraid of this new minority that was coming into their country. Mm. And I think every country gets like that when they got new people coming in. Look at America did that to the Italians and the Irish and the Jews when they were coming in. And those are basically just white people. So, I mean, it's a very similar type of thing in that, you know, it was the fear of the unknown. And they saw that we became useful citizens and they accepted us, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. The racism in America is deep-rooted, so it's a very different type of racism. And because I'm a brown guy and I speak clearly, white people sometimes get comfortable around me and say some slick shit. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever stop them because I want to see how far they're going to go with it. I mm-hmm. want to know what they really think.
2: Mm-hmm. And I'll, like them, mm-hmm.
1: on. I'll like them on. I'll let them on. I'll play along <laughs> with it. Just I want to see how fucking... I want to see if it's real or if it's just, they're just being funny about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And by funny, I mean like uh cute, you know, like, ah, just kidding, you know, but you could see it in their eyes. You could hear it in their tone as you get a little, you peel the layers back a little and you're like, wow, I really thought this was
0: a normal person I was talking to. Mm. You know, the funny thing for me is that I'm not against the Confederate flag and I'm not against the Confederate statues, let them stay up there. They need reminders. I want people to to wear the Confederate flag because I need to know who I'm dealing with. Exactly. I'd rather rather, rather you wear the Confederate flag, the Confederate mask, all of that. I'd rather you do it so that I know. It's more dangerous when I don't know what you're you're about and what you're doing. Speaking of that, What are police like in Canada as opposed to police in the USA? I mean, it's hard to
1: say. I've never really had any real run-ins with the police on either side. Mm. Um, You know, when I was younger and I was a little shit-disturbing teenager, yeah, maybe a little, but, you know, you're asking for it at that point, right? I mean, as far as now, I don't really, I don't have any run-ins, so I can't speak on that firsthand.
0: But just what you see in terms of how the police used to deal with people in Canada, as opposed to what you see now, is, there, is I mean, I mean, like you think about the police in Canada. I mean, every every uh, department has their bully
1: cops. Mm. It's usually the older ones that are a little bit more bullyish because they have a different way of looking at things. Mm. Um, when I did have any uh, in, you know altercations with the cops, it was usually like an older white cop that would give me a hard time. I remember one time. Uh, outside of this nightclub in, in Toronto, of on Caravana Weekend, I think you've been to Caravana Weekend before. I DJed. Um, 13 years in a row. Yeah. So, right in front, and Vince Carter and all them guys were standing out there in this cop. In the long story short, he he bullied my cousin who's a toy He was a skinny little kid who was standing on the street, and he was trying to get everybody off the street, and, my, and there was no room on the sidewalk. So I was like, yo, just stand right to the curb. Not you won't fit on the curb. And the cop grabbed my cousin by the back of his neck and started shaking him around. And I was like, yo, what kind of pussy shit is that? I go, you got these six foot nine black dudes behind uh, right in front of you. And you're not grabbing them. You're grabbing the smallest little guy. That's some like some real pussy shit. Right. So he let go of my cousin and grabbed me. Oh, and, you shit. Know, ripped my necklace off my neck, smashing my face right. against the cop car. But it was just like, you know, it's like, oh, you don't want real problems. You just want to be a fucking bully. Right, right, right. And, and Vince we, Carter has the video somewhere, because he even told me after he goes,
0: yo, I got that on video, I'm like, yo, send me that. He never fucking wow. sent me that, you know? No, he's not sending you that, and you don't need to put it up. The final yeah. question, man, you are the executive producer of a series on Netflix, Hip Hop Evolution. Tell us a little right. bit about that, and why, why did you get involved in that, and what is what? how are you involved? In it?
1: So I'm the executive producer. <clears throat> a buddy of mine named Darby from Toronto this white guy who loves hip hop the same way I love hip hop and we love it in a true way, you know, down to the elements, down to the essence, down to where it came from and how it is and why it is. And he hit me up. He said, yo, he wanted to do a documentary about hip hop. Do I want to be involved? And I was like, yeah, but it has to go deep. I don't want, I don't want no surface shit. I want you to, you know, and he, and I have a lot of relationships with, the guys who are harder to get interviews with you know like Herc and Kaz and Mel and all them and I can get them to keep it real mm-hmm. so uh, I got involved and I got them hooked up with a lot of the good interviews and uh, it's been a passion project of mine I'm you know, i I'm still involved but you know when they got to the south and all that stuff I was kind of like eh I'll, I'll leave this part up to you I don't know anybody down there mm-hmm. um, but I am working we were, are working on a doc about D&D studios right now Hmm. Matter of He's fact, saying. I will text you. I will text you after we get off this. I will text you the teaser we, we made for it, and we got some great footage, and we just need to finish it. It's about it's about seventy five percent complete right now. We just got to get money to finish it off, as far as paying for music and and uh, editing and color correcting and all that nonsense.
0: Now, how how hard is it to get Netflix to take something like that? What was the process uh, of
1: uh well, originally, Hip Hop Evolution was done for HBO Canada.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, and then we sold it to Netflix. After,
0: so it, it, it really wasn't hard to get them to accept it. It had already been, it, it had already aired and been successful in another. Yeah, episode. it had already aired. It had already been successful,
1: and uh, it was a finished product. They didn't really have to do anything.
0: Now, what about seasons two, three, sub, sub-
1: and four? To season- yeah, yeah, we only sub- went, up, went up to four. Then the rest of that was all done through Netflix. They were like, it's great. We got a Peabody. We won an Emmy. They were all in. And now they just, uh, I don't think they want to go any further with it.
0: And to be honest, do you, I don't think it's much further we can go with it. Do you think that Netflix is going to be more hip hop centric in the future? Or you think that that was just it for them?
1: I mean, who knows what they're going to do, but they are doing a lot of things to become more Afrocentric. I mean, you look at a lot of the deals they make and a lot of the big money they spend is usually on, uh black artists, whether it's comedians, directors um, actors uh, writers, whatever they they do a lot of uh, Afrocentric stuff nowadays, which is great Um, but that that doesn't mean you got to forget about the rest of us Uh, I find one problem in America is that if you're not black it doesn't matter how down you are with the black community, they negate you and you're like, no we are equally important to that black culture as it is to the shaping who I am. But without you, that, I'm not me. So you have to respect what I'm doing for that community as well. But they'll, you know, uh, I don't wanna say it this way, but the white man wants to be the savior at all times. So, you know, they'll make it about them.
0: Now, for me, I, I agree. I agree with that. And I somewhat disagree because I believe that you're deeply in the culture. You're rooted in the culture. And I and I believe that anybody who's in the culture should be represented. And anybody who's in the culture should have a say. But I will say this: you're in rooms that I'm not. So what you're talking about, you're talking about from experience. I'm not Absolutely. in that so I can't even say that, so I have to look at what you're saying as absolute truth, because you've been in those rooms and you've dealt with those people. Are you looking to do... What's your next move on, on Netflix?
1: Uh, on Netflix, I don't know. I mean, I don't even know if they fuck with me anymore, but who knows? I mean, this business is so finicky, you don't even know when people stop fucking with you until they just don't answer your calls no more. Mm. Nobody actually will tell you, hey, uh, we're not with you anymore. They don't. They never do anything final like that. They'll just ignore you until they need you again. Yeah, it's like it's like a pimp and a bunch of bitches in rotation.
0: 100 percent, 100 percent. And I will leave you on this note. Here's how people do. They don't mess with you. And And this is for everybody watching in this business. This is how they do you. They don't fuck with you. And then the day they need you, they text you and they say, hey, family, you're my family. I need you to do something for me. I need you to show me some love. I need you to do something. You remember we're family. And then you go, all right, cool. What do you need me to do? Uh, I'll do it. I'll turn it around in 72 hours. You do it. And then you turn around and you call them back and they don't answer the phone.
1: Correct. And And that's that's the part of the game which is very difficult to get used to. Because, you know, and that's why the game is full of phonies. Because the people that are able to do that have no problem being phony. I have a problem with it. I, I, I don't like biting my tongue like that. I mean, sometimes you have to. You know, you got to humble yourself a little bit. But same way, I'm not going to let you fucking try and treat me like a punk.
0: I appreciate that, bro. That's, that's wise That's wise words right there. Listen, y'all drive. Finesse hit me when you get back to New York. And, and y'all don't go drive in the Mojave Desert, man. Don't. What are you doing? You taking a picture, Finesse? Yeah, I'm <laughs> taking
2: a picture of this traffic. <laughs> this traffic is crazy. I mean, uh, oh, did you end it? Nah, I ain't, I ain't end it. You, you got. to no, no, me see. Traffic you. is like man. And yeah, man, in LA it's like five, six lanes, and this whole shit is just trafficked out. You
0: know? Seven lanes. Listen, finesse is for me. LA is too hot and it's too much traffic, bro. Laughing. He's freezing. Been- LA is too hot. Yeah, we and it's freezing, freezing. Uh, I like cold weather, bro. Nah, nah, son. I nah, like cold nah.
1: Weather, bro. I, I disagree with we you. We just on. had lunch at fucking right by the beach, and it was cold as
2: shit. Yeah, basically. Let me see well, if you could listen, get a better look. I don't look know where are Look, look straight ahead. Look ahead and see
0: what that look like. That's trash. Bro, that shit is crazy. That's crazy. I don't want to be a that. I want to be with them people. I, I want to be with them people, Finesse. I want to be with them people. I'll talk to y'all later, man. I love you, Finesse. Hit me later because I got to talk to you. All right, bro? All right,
2: definitely. I'll do that when I get settled, sir. All
0: right, Russ, I Peace, love you, bro. man. Thank you very much. Thank you, brother. Make Noise with Fat Man Scoop is produced by myself alongside Raj Kachetja and the team at creativecontentagency.com. Please support this podcast by leaving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'd love that. And by following this podcast on Spotify and sharing links to episodes you enjoy with your friends. Do it. You can also email the show via podcast at fatmanscoop.com. I answer that. Or you can DM me at Fat Man Scoop. Yes, I answer DMs.